listening to Historical AF, or if you cuss like we do, Historical As Fuck. This is your lively librarian, Ashley. And I am your vivacious historian, Kina. We're here to deliver the funny, weird, spooky, morbid, and random historical nuggets you never knew you needed. Ooh, vivacious. Oh, I know, right? I like (laughs) it. I'm looking at a list of adjectives. (laughs) I should have printed my list out. <laughs> welcome to episode nine. Woo! Yay! Woohoo! Welcome, welcome. Uh, we are. Rec- oh God, I forgot words. Words are hard. <laughs> what are we doing this week? Oh God, weddings! Yeah, our theme is weddings. It is June after all, so. It is the biggest biggest wedding month. I should have looked that up. I think so. Feels pretty June-tastic. I mean, I might be married, but I have no idea anything about weddings. I love. I spent like 60 bucks on everything in total, so. Oh, my God. That is the way I should have gone. <laughs> Dear yeah. God. I wore a dress I already had. I bought it from Forever 21 for like 18 bucks. <laughs> and then uh, we split the wedding <laughs> certificate. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good time, huh, by all. And yeah. then my, my best friend from college was like, she showed up with flowers and cupcakes and was like, you can't get married without flowers. Like, okay. <laughs> that was wonderful. And I had to miss it because I had pneumonia and I'm still really upset. Oh, yeah. It was very sudden. Yes. Yes. You like eloped and then the next day, like Zeke shipped out for deployment. Yeah. It was very like World War II-ish, you know, like they eloped at the courthouse and then he goes away to war the next day. It's very uh, fitting. Yeah. I was a, a hot mess. <laughs> nah, you were I was, adorable. I was in the parking lot of the airport hysterical pretty much when he like walked away. I was like, ah, I've been <laughs> for like 24 hours. <laughs> it was not pretty. <laughs> and I was in my car happened. like sobbing. And, and like people around me are like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I just shipped off my husband. Yeah. I'm one of those people like... The second he leaves, I'm, like, really sad. And then I'm, like, okay, got to get busy. And then I'm okay until he gets back. But the first day sucks. I allow all my feelings to come out in a horribly terrible way. And then I'm good. No, that's a good idea. It's a really good idea. Shout out to all those military spouses out there. You know. You know what it's like. You know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My wedding was giant comparatively. And was outdoors in October and uh, God, I barely remember it. I was on so many psych meds at that point. I was like, dumb. <laughs> I really want to like do my wedding over because I honestly don't remember a lot of it. And I was like so miserably sick that day, like really swollen and in pain. So I just don't remember it. She was beautiful and it was awesome. And her dress was majestic and everything was lovely. Oh my god. I was there. I remember. It was Yes, wonderful. she was. She was one of my matrons of honor. Yay. Always a bridesmaid. I have two more. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> Luckily, I think I'm done with that part of my life cuz I think all my friends are are married now. I have two more weddings to go to. I love all of my friends and all of my friends whose weddings I've been in. I adore them and I am very thankful to have been in their weddings. But Jesus Christ, I hate being in people's <laughs> weddings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. 
Yeah, it's, oh my god, it's just so overwhelming. And it seems like every time I've been in someone's wedding, it's come right around the time that I'm, like, extra broke, and, yeah. <laughs> they are expensive. I can't even imagine. We used all the money that we would have spent on a wedding to go to our, on our honeymoon, and I regret nothing. <laughs> and we kept I, saying, so, yeah. oh, we'll have, a, we'll have a reception when we get back, and then we're like, nah. <laughs> yeah. We're good. <laughs> 100%. That is what I wish we would have done. But I mean, I had I won our honeymoon, so we didn't have to pay anything on that. We just had spending money to worry about when we were out there in Vegas. But so yes, yeah, so, nice. so that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Every once in a while, I see like at Disney World, you can renew your vows and have like a big old thing, and I'm like, hmm, that might be nice. I actually mentioned a vow renewal in um, one of my stories today, which I'm super pumped about. But Ooh. how was your week? Your non wedding. <laughs> my week was really good. I uh, have been exploring San Antonio a bit more, and I went to yeah. another museum and just preparing the house for guests that are coming tomorrow. Sweet. Woo. Sweet. So, that's so exciting. I've completely blanked out on anything that's happened this week. I know things <laughs> happen. <laughs> what is today? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I've spent all day being like, it's Thursday. And then I was like, no, it's not. It's <laughs> Day. So yeah, people of the future, when you're listening to this, we recorded this on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Who am I? Where are we at? I don't right. Know. I think I have a name. It's fine. I mean, I had something. I know that it was like I got to write down things to talk about. No judgment here. <laughs> I built a couch. <laughs> yes, from Wayfair. Wayfair. Yeah. No, that was. I say I built it. You just put the legs on. It's so simple. It counts. Even I can do it. Yes, totally counts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, how was your week? (laughs) After I choke. Hang on. (laughs) Um, Sorry. All of a sudden, I like choked on my own spit. My week was actually not bad. I took two naps today, so I'm like extra energized because I've basically been asleep since last night. It's been wonderful. But yeah, my best childhood friend, who is my other matron of honor for my wedding, came up yesterday and hung out with me, my best friend Claire. I've literally known her since the first day of kindergarten. (laughs) Like, I mean, we grew up together and she was an only child, or she's an only child and I'm an only child. So we were like surrogate sisters. So it was really nice to have her come up and we played video games and ate pizza like real adults. And it was fun. So it was, it was good good for the mental health to hang out with the peoples yeah i just remembered one of my friends from arkansas moved down here and we had a welcome to texas party sweet forgot forgot about that yeah we went to the lake and got some sun so very nice pacey self will tan eventually here in texas but yeah so uh which one of us went first last time i don't know you want to roll for it sure i don't remember what happened last week (laughs) fuck if i know (laughs) All right. I'm shaking, shake, shake, shake. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> oh, it's historical. That's me. Woohoo! Yay! Just threw that across the room. Nice. I am a goddamn professional. Uh, For so real. You know what? I am like still in my pajamas from last night. I have bedhead. I am not. I'm just living my best life right now. I'm actually like wearing real clothes. And Z got home and he's like, what's the occasion? Why are you dressed up? And I'm like, I'm tired of looking like a trash lady when you come home from work. 
<laughs> like I always on the days we record, like I take a shower, like I'll put on a little makeup, even though like our listeners can't see me. I still like put an effort in so I feel better. So then I actually feel more professional, but it's just not happening today. So sorry, people who can't see me and sorry to Kina who can. And I look <laughs> mess. All right. So for my <laughs> historical AF, I'm going to talk about dowries. <gasps> Ooh, I'm fascinated by dowries. So a dowry is the money or goods that a bride's family gives to her new husband and or his family when they are married. So I'm going to start with a historical detour about myself, a biographical diversion, if you will. Yes. So I used to be that woman that was like, I'm never going to get married because that's basically a business transaction to trade me for a goat. And, you know, I was pretty stuck on that until I met my husband, obviously. There's even a website, and I'm not lying, it's called (laughs) HowManyGoats.com. And uh, no big deal, but I'm worth like six goats. Lucky. I am a catch. (laughs) I'm pulling it up right now to find out how many goats I am. Go on. (laughs) All right. So when I met my husband and we went off and eloped, my, uh, I was still pretty strong about my conventions on this and he knew about that. So he told my mom he wanted a goat (laughs) when we got married as part of my dowry. So the day after we eloped, he went to Afghanistan, like I told you guys earlier. And my mom sent him a picture of a goat, which is a stuffed goat. I'm going to show Ashley right now. It's beautiful. It's a pirate goat. My husband really likes pirates. Um, So yeah, she sent him a stuffed goat dressed up like a pirate and a letter, which I'm going to read to you now. Dear Zeke, here is the dowry goat for Kina's hand in marriage. She told me that you wanted a real goat. I've been around real goats and they're sneaky little bastards. This goat won't destroy... This goat won't destroy your yard, digging holes and eating all the grass. He won't rip up the siding from your house or shred all your lawn furniture. He won't feast on your garden after you've spent weeks getting things to grow or chew up the wiring in your heating and cooling units, especially on the hottest day of summer or the coolest day of winter. He won't chase or terrorize the dogs, forcing Murray to hide behind the toilet. Side note, my dog hides behind the toilet when he's scared. Okay. (laughs) He won't climb onto your cars, playing his version of King of the Mountain, putting dents and scratches on the hoods and the top. And he definitely won't headbutt you in the ass every time you turn your back on it. (laughs) This is the kind of goat I prefer. I hope you like him. Welcome to the family. Your mother-in-law, Alita. Oh my god. That is wonderful. My mom is so delightful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love your mom. I know, right? She's the funny one in the family, I tell you. All right, so my mom is a treasure that needs to be protected at all costs. Anywho. Amen. The parental giving of a dowry in exchange for a daughter's hand in marriage is an ancient custom that has been practiced all over the world. It actually still continues in some part of the world today. Many cultures still expect, or in some cases demand, a dowry as a condition to accept a marriage proposal. This is still practiced in some areas of Asia, Northern Africa, and certain regions of Europe, which I did not know. I didn't either. We're learning things on this podcast. Yes. Wonderful. You're welcome, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) So the tradition of a dowry has decreased over time, and it's no longer a common custom in developed countries or urban areas like most of us are in now. But we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to talk about what the evolution of it is and what the dowry is 
actually today. Woo. Okay. So during the wedding ceremony, the custom of giving away the bride by the father was an acknowledgement that the dowry had been negotiated and the bride had her father's blessing. So I'm sure most of y'all out there got given away by your dad. And I that's did. what this means. <laughs> but I changed that wording. <laughs> In ancient times, a hefty dowry could serve to increase the desirability of a woman for marriage. Men could potentially consider a marriage proposal based on the size of their expected dowry in order to build power and wealth for their own family. I would have been screwed. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> in certain cultures, such as ancient Rome, the father was basically required to provide every daughter with a dowry appropriate to his means. If a father was unable to give a reasonable dowry for his daughter's hands, a relative or a family friend might offer to help them out and provide a dowry on their behalf. Be a hell of a friend. Right. In ancient times, a dowry was given to the groom and his family in exchange for the bride as a way of ensuring that she was properly taken care of and comfortable. So in some cases, the dowry would be in case she was widowed, she wouldn't be completely fucked. Okay. It was also, yeah, it is pretty reasonable. (laughs) I mean, they are still being traded like cattle, but yes. It was also expected that the bride would leave her family home to reside with or near her husband's home. So in that chance, you just have to say goodbye to your family and then they're your family now. (laughs) Oh, thank God. I mean, I love my in-laws, but Wisconsin is cold. Yes. My Southern self can't handle that cold. Just can't. I went in August and they were like, we're going to go to the lake. And I was like, cool, we're going to go swimming. And they're like, no, you can't, you can't swim in that. I'm like, it's August. And they're like, it's no, it's too cold. I was like, what is this? Like, no, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. My in-laws are in Nashville. And so I think I'd be okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's not too bad there. (laughs) A lot warmer. Yes. So again, this gift would provide a bit of financial security in case of widowhood. And it was also thought to provide the couple's future children as well. So, you know, the whole baby making scenario of history, this money was to kind of help set their family up and ensure that they have children. I'd definitely be screwed there. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of my stories today would be screwed. Yes. (laughs) A dowry could also be considered a conditional offering that would be expected to be returned in the case of divorce, abuse, or any other mistreatment of the bride. So Can't that leave was surprising. Me if I eat goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what's that thing? Uh, that's like that meme that's like I burnt our marriage certificate. You can't return me if there's no receipt. <laughs> yes, I think yeah, it was like a guy said that his wife got drunk and was trying to burn their marriage certificate in the <laughs> fireplace and said she can't return me. I say that to Terry all the time. I do too. 100%. Or I'm like, I got papers on you. <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> We would take the goat hostage and we'd burn the receipts. Can't get rid of us. Yes. (laughs) The dowry is intended to help set up the couple's new household, especially in cultures where it's rare for a woman to work outside the home. If a woman died without having any sons, her husband would have to return the dowry to the bride's family, deducting the value of the bride price. This is also why it's bad luck for a groom to see his bride before the wedding. The wedding symbolized a business transaction between the families, and the father would have been pleased for his daughter to marry a man from a rich landowning family. But old daddy may have had some anxiety 
that if the groom, the groom, the groom met the bride before the wedding and thought she was unattractive, he'd call off the wedding, casting shame onto the bride and her family. Okay, number one, I definitely broke that, and we had the like first look before the wedding because I did. I wanted to get those emotions out of the way. Secondly, if I saw my man before the wedding and then he was like, "Oh, she too ugly. I'm gonna leave," <laughs> I would cut him. Yes, absolutely, one thousand percent. This this white dress can become red very fast. Go I know, and then it'd be like dishonor on your family, dishonor on your cow. Like, yes, what shit is that. <laughs> Yes, I was just about to say the exact same thing. Oh, my God. Uh, So it became a tradition that the bride and groom were only allowed to meet at the wedding ceremony so that the groom did not have the opportunity to run away. What? No. I would catch his ass. You know what? If Julia Roberts taught me anything, you can run at any point during a wedding. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, that veil that a bride wears, its original purpose was to keep the groom from finding out what the bride looks like until the last possible minute when it was too late to back up. Oh, man, I wish my mom listened to this so I could be like, ha ha, because I did not want a veil. (laughs) She made me. And in some ancient cultures, the veil was also used to hide the bride from evil spirits that might want to thwart their happiness. So that's just a little fun fact there. Can't see me, can't haunt me. (laughs) A dowry could be made up of any combination of valuable things. Dowries often consisted of money, jewels, precious metals, land, property, home furnishings, and more like goats. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really stuck on this goat thing, guys. Yeah, I'm very jealous that your mom offered your husband a goat. (laughs) So fantastic. We still have it. It's in the living room (laughs) (laughs) a symbol of our marriage so in some cases the groom actually had to ask the bride's permission to use or sell certain items contained within her dowry such as land or property the dowry custom evolved into the trousseau or the hope chest a hope chest is a collection of goods that a woman gathers in preparation for her future marriage and then she brings the chest with her to her marital home and I remember my grandma having a hope chest. My mom had one too. So I was very distant. <laughs> yeah, I was very fascinated with the idea of a hope chest. And I kind of wish I'd done that, but it would have been weird. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, the modern bridal registry and bridal shower are later evolutions of the traditional dowry. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some of the most lavish dowries in history. I'm really excited about these. <laughs> okay. So modern day Princess Marie Chantal Miller got $200 million from her daddy when she married Pavlos, crown prince of Greece, son of the ousted King Constantine and Queen Sophia. Even though she wasn't royal, she was super rich, so no one cared. Huh. $200 million. That's That's a lot. Oh, I could do so much with that much money. Right. Oh. Man. Mom. Born into the all you, all you gave was, Yeah. Mom. I got a goat. 200 yeah. million was an option? Come on. Yeah. Now. Let's talk. For real. Where's my 200 million? <laughs> so Eleanor of Aquitaine actually brought half of France with her as her dowry. So medieval France wasn't a united country. It was divided into a bunch of individual duchies ruled by individual dukes over whom the king of France held only nominal power over. One such duchy was a wealthy Aquitaine, a.k.a. most of southwestern France. 
upon which the Capetian dynasty of French kings had often cast covetous eyes towards. When Duke William X of Aquitaine named his eldest daughter Eleanor his heiress and soon died after, King Louis VI, a.k.a. Louis the Fat. (laughs) Nice, that's my legacy. (laughs) He quickly snatched her up to marry and Eleanor united Aquitaine, 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 Aquitaine. (laughs) I'm spiraling so fast. I keep singing the Aquitaine Hunger Forest song in my head now. (laughs) (laughs) So Eleanor united Aquitaine with Louis' territory, which was mostly just located around Paris. They stayed together for some time, but Eleanor was unhappy, and she never gave Louis a son. Once they split in 1152, Louis had to give her back all the land, but Eleanor soon remarried again to Louis' arch-rival, Henry, Duke of Normandy, and later England's King Henry II. Okay. Next one, in 2013, so relatively recent, Chinese billionaire Wu Dubio didn't skimp on his daughter's dowry. In total, her hope chest was valued at over 100 million pounds, which is around $155 million at the time. Good his Lord. content is a little bit of everything, including luxury cars, banknotes, and real estate ranging from villas to storefronts to mansions. I just brought like a shit ton of student loan debt into my marriage. <laughs> Same. Oh, my God. Same. Way to bring me down. (laughs) (laughs) I like to live in a denial of those exist. Yeah. Ancient Egyptian pharaohs had many wives and concubines, and they married quite a few foreign royals to cement political alliances. Ramses II was no exception. He wed a princess from the empire's arch rival to the north, the Hittites, and helped solidify a peace treaty with it. Her dowry included a significant number of male and female slaves and livestock ranging from goats to horses. I like that story because they're goats. Yes. <laughs> Catherine of Aragon married Arthur Tudor, Prince of Wales, in 1501, bringing with her a sizable dowry of 200,000 escudos. Escados? Okay. However, Arthur died in 1502. And only half of that bridal money had been paid to the English crown. Normally, it would have been considered a bit outrageous for a king to marry his dead brother's window. Window. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. She has four pains. (laughs) (laughs) Widow. Widow. But how could Henry VIII resist with that kind of a dowry? The marriage was settled and Catherine became the first of Henry's many wives. So, just how much was Catherine's dowry worth? Historians estimate that her fortune would have been approximately 100,000 pounds at the time. This is 1,500. It's the equivalent of a whole year's income of the English government. It was also roughly two years worth of the treasure of gold and silver that was being sent from the New World. The general consensus is that it's impossible to convert into today's currency, but historians say that it is a shit ton. Yeah, I would say so. That's a lot of money. I know, right? I tried so hard to find out what the conversion would be, but can't really convert from 1500. No. And I'm not an economist, so I'm not doing that shit myself. <laughs> math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you cannot do math, you do history. Yes. <laughs> And now for some wild dowries. 
Before she could marry Prince Rainier, Grace Kelly had to be examined to ensure that she was fertile and could carry the royal line. The actress willingly underwent a medical exam, which included inspection of her fallopian tubes and uterine area to make sure everything was healthy and in a working order. Nope, don't like that. Mm. The doctors also focused on her ovulation and menstrual cycle. (laughs) Kelly was reportedly less concerned about the medical exam and more worried about the disclosure that she wasn't a virgin. Oh, yikes. Okay. That's a whole lot of yikes right there. Yes. A tribe of people known as the Dayak reside in the Indonesian Indonesia. Oh my God. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Words are hard. (laughs) So hard. (laughs) They reside on an Indonesian Island of Borneo. Historically, the tribesmen were headhunters and cannibals. Back to cannibalism. Always cannibalism. (laughs) And the practice crossed over into their marriage rituals. For example, if a man wanted to marry a woman, he would need to bring him the skulls of two or three of his enemies. That's reasonable. I think that I agree. Yeah, yeah, I'd require that too. The tribe no longer subscribes to these practices, but a wedding in 2004 consisted of two-day ceremony in which the blood of pigs and chickens was sprinkled around to ward off spirits. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah, rose petals, chicken blood, you know, same thing. Yeah. Uh, in 2009, a sorry, this is funny. In 2009, police arrested a California man who arranged a marriage between his 14-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old neighbor. Marcelino de Jesus Martinez required a dowry of $16,000 for his daughter, as well as 100 cases of Corona beer, 50 cases of Modelo, six bottles of wine, 50 cases of soda, 50 cases of Gatorade, and some meat which would to be served at the wedding. What kind of soda? Because I'm picturing like big red. <laughs> I mean, this is California, so I don't know. Big red's really big around here. Couldn't you ask for like Ben and Jerry's or something? Uh, mm, California. Uh, oh man, it gets better. So when Martinez didn't receive the payment, he contacted authorities to help secure the dowry. Keep in mind, his daughter is 14 years old. Jesus Christ. What a fucking moron. Wow. However, he was arrested and charged with procuring a child under the age of 16 for lewd acts and statutory rape and cruelty to a child by endangering health. Good the man on is, cops. The man is a member of an indigenous Mexican trique. Trique? Oh, man, I meant to look this up. Trique? Community in which marriage arrangements are common in his defense, I guess. But... Why Corona and Gatorade? Yeah, that's a little weird. I would be so pissed off. Like, you're trading me for beer and Gatorade? No. At least it's a lot of beer. It was a lot of beer. And meat. Don't forget the meat. Oh, I can't forget the meat. I Fair trade. These all just escalate. All right. So in 2014, a man from Saudi Arabia wanted the newest iPhone as part of his sister's dowry. The marriage was not allowed to proceed until the smartphone and iPhone 6 was presented as a gift. At the time, the phone was not available in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Dowries are common in Arab countries, but they usually tend to include simple gifts. Some families seek pricey presents and large amounts of cash. I mean, iPhones are so expensive. Like, if I could get that as a gift, fine. I'm okay with it. I don't know. I'm an Android kind of girl. True. True. (laughs) 
A man from Kenya once offered to give then-President Bill Clinton and his wife Hillary Clinton 40 goats and 20 cows if he could marry their daughter Chelsea Clinton. During a town hall meeting in 2009, Hillary, who was Secretary of State at the time, was asked by a reporter about the dowry. And she replied, my daughter is her own person, very independent, so I will convey this very kind offer. The Kenyan was actually a journalist who died in 2014 after being killed by an elephant. Aww. So, that kind of took a turn. That did. I do find that's a very kind answer. It wasn't insulting to them, because that's their culture. But I like how she's like, my daughter's her own person. She'll decide. Yeah, that's a good way to dodge it. But that's a lot of goats. That is a lot of goats. And cows. That's a lot of cows. Yeah. And finally, a father from Yemen demanded one million likes on his personal Facebook account as part of the dowry. (laughs) Salem Ayash from the city of Taiz gave his daughter's suitor the strange task in 2013. He did not impose a deadline on the project. So he commented, he can take a month, a year, or even two years to collect the requested number of likes. If I see that he's worked hard, I'm willing to be flexible to see him happily married. He reportedly did not ask for money and used this demand to showcase that. No one in Yemen can afford dowries anymore anyway. That would still make me really mad. Like if my if I log on to my dad's Facebook page or log on to Facebook and see my dad's status is like, for a hundred likes, you can have my kid. Like, I'm going to have a fucking issue. Yeah, that's a bit insulting. But, yes. I mean, at least it was a million and not, like, you know, a thousand. And, I mean, like, look, if Jesus won't even heal a baby with cancer for 300 likes or whatever, I don't think that someone's going to marry me for a million likes. That's true. That's maybe true. my maybe my husband would go back and marry me for a million likes. I don't know. <laughs> we should ask him. Yes. I'll ask him after, hey, hun, would you, would you marry me if I got a million likes? I mean, it's very impressive. I don't know it why is. you wouldn't. True. Very true. So that's dowries, you guys. That's, that's awesome. A wild ride. I didn't know any of that. Like, I knew that dowries were, like, used to be a thing. I didn't know that they were still a thing in some countries. And I didn't know, like, how they came to be and the whole transactional part of weddings and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. You're welcome. Also, I did the goat thing, and I'm worth six goats as well. Ooh. Yes. I think my age worked against me. I think the older you are, the less goats you get. I think so, too. Because it did it did list our age group as, like, the desperate. <laughs> so, yikes. Thanks for that, That's internet. True. That's true. Yeah, I was 29 when I got married. Me, too. About to turn 30. Yeah. Yep. We're old maids, almost. We are. Yeah. <laughs> I was informed by the old people I used to work with many times that one of them had an aunt who got married when she was like 43. So there was still hope for me when I was like 26. <laughs> I was like, wow, fuck you guys. Okay, cool. Man, people are the worst. Yeah, people are the actual worst. Like We have value as women. We don't have to be married. Yes. I just enjoy being married. Yes, there are some benefits. But yes. So moving right along. Are you ready for Spooky? always okay good i think i'm gonna i think i'm just gonna go in order and do spooky first all right so for spooky we are going to talk just a little bit about anna baker's haunted wedding dress Ooh, that sounds like a good time oh yes so in 1849 anna baker fell in love with an iron worker who was considered below her station 
Aww. And, uh, you know, her, her and her family lived in this really nice mansion. And this was in Altoona, Pennsylvania, by the way. I forgot to write this further up in my notes. Al- so, Altoona? A-L-T-O-O-N-A. Altoona. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Altoona, Pennsylvania. They were very rich and well-renowned re- well in their town and all that. So, she fell in love with an iron worker and wanted to marry him. And her dad was real pissed about it, and he refused to let them get married. And she begged and begged, and she even bought a wedding dress, thinking, like, I guess she was vision boarding it and was like, we have to get married, and if I already have the dress, might as well let me go ahead and marry this guy. Mm -hmm. So she hoped it would help her dream come true, but her dad held fast to his decision. So she didn't get to marry the guy, and she declared that she was never going to get married, no matter how many suitors her dad threw her way. Aww. So throughout the years, her dad would bring people home for her to meet, and she always rebuked them, and she kept her word. And by the time her dad died, and you would expect that she would like go ahead and go marry the iron worker, it said he was gone. It didn't say that he died or he left or what, but she, she there was no way she could do it. Aww. So the servants in the Baker home reported that she Anna would put on her wedding dress go outside and dance in the moonlight which is like really sad that's really tragic but if I had my wedding dress at my house I would probably do the same thing just because it's (laughs) bloopy and I love it so she died still unmarried in 1914 oh and then in 1912 the Baker mansion was purchased and became a historic museum Hell yeah. Yes. And I, I like, I knew you would like that. So <laughs> Anna's wedding dress was then placed in a glass case in her old bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then visitors have reported seeing a woman's face in the reflection of the case when looking at the dress. Oh, nope. Don't like right? that. Yeah. Uh, it's almost, they say it's almost like looking at it and seeing her head above the dress. Like she's still wearing the dress even after death and Ooh. all that, which also, <sighs> I don't know whether I think that this would be, like, mean or not. I fully expected them to bury her in the dress. Yeah. But I don't know if that would be reducing her to having, like, just being this person who never got married and, like, burying an unwed person in her wedding dress. I don't know. I can see either, like, either way, either, like, as a slap in the face or because she was so happy in her wedding dress dancing in the moonlight. Maybe that would make her happy. But, yes. But, anyway, so they, they didn't bury her in it. But, anyway... So then they also said that they could see from time to time the dress swaying from side to side in the case. I am just imagining full on Beetlejuice right now. Yes, that is exactly (laughs) what I pictured. Yes. Uh, And then Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yes. And then people have also reported seeing a woman in a wedding dress dancing inside the baker's estate, like in the halls and stuff. Ooh. Yeah. So... It's a really short little story, and that's all I've really got written down for it. But, yeah, like, it's really fascinating that this has become kind of, like, part of the lore of that family and that town. That this woman was, like, well-known for not getting married but having this wedding dress, and it's now part of their, like, history museum. And she had uh, two brothers. She had a sister who died when she was two, or when the sister was two. So her family had a lot of prestige Mm -hmm. and they owned all this land. They owned this huge mansion. And so it just, it reminds me of the notebook. Oh yeah. Like, uh, 
the the woman has, you know, the really rich family and they don't want her marrying the guy and all this. So I kind of wish that this had gone almost the same way as the notebook where he makes something of himself and marries her anyway. Sorry, spoiler for the notebook. But yeah. Spit out like a decade. I think we're good. Yes, yes. Get get right with your God if you don't know that spoiler yet. But yes, so that is Anna Baker's haunted wedding dress. And also, this is not related to Anna Baker, but it is a spooky topic. I was looking at a list of haunted wedding venues. Ooh. And Eureka Springs was number one. Ooh, here in our Crescent? Yes. The Crescent Hotel it was the number one haunted wedding venue. And I wish I had known that that was a wedding venue when I got married because I definitely would have gotten married up there. Oh, my God. So last weekend they did a ghost adventures at the Crescent. Did you watch yes. it? I oh watched part of it. I couldn't pay attention. Oh so good. I stopped. Oh it's just precious. So they had a viewing party at the Crescent and it was so it was packed and they were just showing oh the gosh. premiere of it. They're so I think this is what I love about the Crescent is that they love that they're haunted so much and they truly care about their history and like telling the stories of these spirits and they were so excited but yeah, yeah it was so funny awesome. zach Bagans was very over the top as per usual and yes. uh <laughs> he was like he was like dr baker's made me ill and he was like throwing up and like laying on a bed like a little sprawled out made good me laugh lord. good lord but yeah so that was all the fun spookiness Oh, I love it. I love spooky stuff. Yeah, I wanted to, back in the day, I always convinced that I was going to get married at the Crescent. But we did stay there. So that was. That oh, was yeah. Fun. I always forget that. Yeah. We stayed in uh, the haunted, second most haunted room. The uh, most haunted one was taken. Of course. Yeah. I know. It was really. I didn't see any ghosts. I was very disappointed. But it's always next time. Yes. <laughs> when I eventually do a vow room renewal maybe i'll do it there oh that'd be so pretty oh, oh it's happening it's totally it happening. is literally the most beautiful hotel it's just this victorian style and they have gardens and gazebo it's just beautiful and beautiful. you really don't get much beautiful more beautiful <laughs> <laughs> you don't get much more beautiful than the ozark mountains honestly so real talk real highly talk. recommend and who wouldn't want to get married in a haunted hotel like right Yes. Have a ghosty in your wedding pictures? Fuck yes. Oh my god, I would pay for that experience. Also, I, okay, sorry, this made me think of this. Um, <laughs> so I, like, I, I looked at a ton of topics for Spooky today, but one of them I also came across when I was looking for haunted wedding venues. I also found there is a trend where you can pay a clown to come to your wedding. What? Not scary clowns, just a clown. Yeah. I, I would argue that all clowns are scary. I agree. <laughs> and that's why I considered it for spooky instead of funny, which I also rolled and I'll talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, thanks. All clowns are like Pennywise to me. Nope. Right. Nope, 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 nope. Yep. Nope. That is an opportunity I did not take part of for my wedding and I do not regret that. Uh, yeah. No. Why? Uh, I mean, I guess some people... They're like the same people that like creepy ass dolls too. No, don't. Yeah, don't do we that. don't like those no. people. Don't no. trust those people. I don't trust you. <laughs> Unless you're a listener and you want to donate on Patreon, then I do like you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
right. So I think I'll just segue right into some morbid. Sweet. Okay, listen. There are a lot of wedding massacres. Ooh. And I could not, I just I can't. <laughs> just could not do that today. It was just too depressing. And I know this is morbid and I know I should deliver, but I just don't want to shit on weddings that much. Yeah, no. I I just don't. So we're going to talk about Attila the Hun instead. Sweet. I mean, naturally. I know literally nothing about Attila the Hun. (laughs) So how does this relate to weddings, Kina? Well, sit back and relax because I'm going to get there. I promise. Your girl's going to come through. But per usual, we're going to start with some historical context. Yay. So Attila the Hun was a leader of the Hunnic Empire from 434 to 453 CE. Almost said AD. Whoops. (laughs) That's my own thing. And I'm like, okay. He was also called the Flagellum Die or the Scourge of God, which to me sounds like a Marvel villain. Scourge. Yes, I love it. Is that a Marvel villain? I don't know. I feel like it is. All right. So Attila was known to the Romans for his brutality and had a penchant for sacking and pillaging Roman cities. He's considered one of the greatest barbarian rulers in history, having successfully expanded the rule of the Huns and maintained a near-perfect record in battle. I would say that my namesake was a better barbarian, but he was fictional, so... uh, When you're named after Conan the Barbarian, you run with it. Oh my god! Conan, ah! Uh, yeah. What are you doing to those poor dogs? Nothing. It's her fucking cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Joseph Christ. Okay. (laughs) The Huns were a nomadic tribe from Central Asia that historians believe may have entered Europe around the 2nd century CE, if not earlier. They had definitely entered Europe and conquered the Alans, ancient Iranian areas, by the mid-370s. They also invaded the Pontic Deep and forced thousands of Goths to seek refuge in Roman cities in the lower Danube. Oh my god. Yes. I meant to look up all these. I suck. Okay. Attila was born north of the Danube River shortly after this activity, sometime in the early 5th century. Though ancient Rome considered the Huns to be barbarians, hence the name, Attila's upbringing was surprisingly civilized. Attila, along with his elder brother, Bleda, was born into the most powerful family in the Hunnic Empire. During the 420s and early 430s, the Hun brother... Sorry. (laughs) The Hun brothers' uncles, Akhtar and Ruga, I just think of my dog, Ruger. Yes. Ruga, they ruled the Hunnic Empire together. So Attila and Plata learned archery, sword fighting, and lasso use. What? Okay. I just don't expect, like, barbarians to use lassos. I'm, try- I'm trying to picture it, like... <laughs> Like, I'm picturing the dude from Mulan, the bad guy... <laughs> With, like, the furs and a lasso. Yes. Absolutely. Love it. Picture that, guys. Okay. They also learned how to ride and care for horses. And they learned military and diplomatic tactics. The brothers also spoke and possibly read Gothic and Latin. So, they fancy. Okay. Attila and Plata inherited the Hunnic Empire after their uncles died in 434. 
Octar was the king of the western wing of the Huns who expanded the empire into Germany and reportedly died of overeating. That That's how, how I'm going, going out. <laughs> I mean, we could all just want that. Oh, right. That's me. That's on a diet. I'm just constantly starving. God Look, damn it. It's going to be bread over here. I'm going to overeat bread and die. <laughs> just, <clears throat> oh, so Ruga, not to be confused with my dog Ruger, was the Eastern overlord who waged war against the Eastern Roman Empire and allegedly died by a lightning strike. So, yikes. It's the second way I'm going to go out. <laughs> Just saying. Dancing in the moonlight in your wedding dress. Yes. <laughs> Random lightning bolt comes from the heavens. So, in 434, Ruga, before his death, had actually threatened all-out war against the Roman Empire if it did not return fugitive Hunnic princes. Emperor Theodosius II decided to negotiate and the eventual result was the 438 Peace of Margus. The term of the peace treaty required the Roman Empire to pay Attila and Bleda 700 pounds of gold a year. Though the Roman Empire made good on its promise, the peace did not last. So, that's a lot of gold. BT it is gold. a lot of gold. Yeah, yeah. In 441, the Eastern Roman Empire sent an army to the newly established Vandal Elan Kingdom in North Africa. The Hunnic kings took this opportunity to invade the Balkans, forcing the Roman army, which had already reached Sicily, to turn back and face the Huns. Attila and Bleda reportedly did not see their actions as breaking their peace treaty. However, they thought it was just avenging the wrongdoings. So, kind of the same thing, guys. (laughs) It's true. I mean, they were like, it's totally justified. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. By 443, the Huns had reached as far south as Constantinople and had sacked a number of cities along the way. Attila forced Theodosius into a new treaty. The Huns would receive the missing fugitives and be paid 2,100 pounds of gold annually, as well as a lump sum of 6,000 pounds of gold to make up for the back pay that they didn't pay when they broke the treaty. Well, that's nice of them. Yeah, all that uh, diplomatic... Military trains paying off here. For real, in the lassoing. <laughs> it's unknown what Attila did in the two years following this treaty, but in 445, Attila became the sole ruler of the Hunnic Empire when his brother died. Experts believe that Attila had assassinated his brother. It's probably a fair assumption. Probably. I mean, he's like, mm, I don't like sharing this. Yeah. You're just going to mysteriously die. All this gold is mine. <laughs> Just rolling around like uh, Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. Yes. <laughs> Duck tails. <Woo-hoo>. Okay. <laughs> All I'm thinking about is David Tennant. Isn't he the new Scrooge? Or- I did not know that, but sure. Pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I watched uh, Duck Tales at the nail salon last weekend. <laughs> and I loved it. Uh, that's amazing. That's my goal. Put that on a vision board. So right. Gold. Yes, I thought you meant watching DuckTales at the nail salon. I was like, Kina, you can have that now. <laughs> Dream bigger, Kina. Dream, Dream bigger. bigger. <laughs> so, Attila decimated the Roman armies at the river Utis. Utis? I don't know. Though he suffered great losses himself. And then at Cursonis in the Gallipoli Peninsula. These are hard, guys. 
He and his hunts went back to sack more than 70 cities in the Balkans and penetrated deep into Greece. (laughs) But (laughs) they were stopped at Thermopylae, leading to yet another peace treaty negotiation with harsh penalties for the Romans. The Hunnic Empire was now at the height of its power and reach, with Attila running over all the land. Until that time, Attila had been on good terms with the Western Roman Empire, thanks to the relationship with the general Ateus. That changed in 450, however, when the princess Honoria, sister of the Western Roman Emperor, Valentin... Oh my god. Valentinian III appealed to Attila for help. Honoria wanted to escape an arranged marriage to an aristocrat that her brother was forcing on her. So, dowries, throwback, what? So she sent a message to Attila along with a ring, which Attila interpreted as a betrothal. The Hunnic king claimed Honoria as his newest bride. He had multiples by then. And then demanded half of the Western Roman Empire as his dowry. Okay. Dowry. As her dowry. Emperor Valentinian III refused, but Attila was not one to give up easily and waged war against the Western Roman Empire. Some historians believe that Honoria was simply an excuse to invade the West. So that makes more sense. He probably did. An assumption. Yeah. In the spring of 451, he launched an attack on Gaul, which is modern day France, with 200,000 of his men. He went up against the Roman army led by his old ally, General Ateus, who had joined forces with the Visigoths and Gauls, who were other barbaric tribes. The Franks, Burgundians, and the Alans. I even took a class on this, and I still can't remember (laughs) how to say this. The armies finally clashed at the famous Battle of the Catalonian Plains, also known as the Battle of Calons. In the end, the Visigoth king, Theodorid, died, and most of the Western Roman army was destroyed, but the allied forces against the Huns held ground. Attila retreated his army back to Central Europe, this battle is largely considered Attila's first and only battlefield loss. So if you think about that, he was taking over completely, like, all of Europe, and this is his only loss. Yeah, so. he's, like, really successful. Yeah. Despite the failed campaign into Gaul, Attila launched an attack on Italy the very next year in 452. He sacked both Milan and La- o- Aquileia. Oh, my God. This yes. Is- I swear I can English, but then I do all these really hard historical subjects that are in languages that don't exist anymore. And then I'm like, God damn, I sound like an idiot. Anyway. (laughs) So he actually decided to pull back after meeting Pope Leo I. People thought this was a miracle at the time, but in reality, he was low on supplies and used it as an excuse. It's good. Good reasoning. Yeah. But the terrifying Attila died before he completed his next conquest, and it wasn't on the battlefield. It was on his wedding night. Dun, dun, oh, dun. snap. <laughs> Told you I'd get there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was a long scenic route, but I got there. Okay. Uh, in the year 453, Attila took a new wife, a young girl named Ildiko, renowned for her beauty. After a night of drunken debauchery in celebration of the wedding, he retired with his bride to the bedchamber where he promptly passed out on his back. Okay, that's important. 
Okay. The following day, the servants became alarmed when he didn't rise at his normal time. After his shouts failed to wake him, they knocked down the door. Inside, they found the body of their chieftain sprawled out on the bed beside his weeping bride. Yikes. Was he the victim of murder at the hands of his new wife? Did he nope. throw up in his mouth a little bit and choke? Close. <laughs> it seems for all his power and might, the greatest conqueror had a weakness. He suffered from chronic nosebleeds. Oh. One apparently came upon him in his drunken state and he choked to death. Yikes. <laughs> That's right. One of history's most fearsome warriors did not die from a bloody wound on the battlefield, but died of a bloody nose. Bless his heart. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, you never lost. You lost one time in your entire career, taking over an entire continent and you die of a nosebleed. Oh my God. Could you imagine like his ghost standing over his body and being like, guys, don't tell anyone about this. God damn it. <laughs> With his hot wife, he didn't get to bang because he passed out from drinking. Yes. She's supposedly like the most beautiful woman he'd ever laid eyes on. He didn't even get to bang her. And he just died. She was probably like, yes. High-fiving a million angels. <laughs> But wait, there's more. At Attila's funeral, his body was laid out in a silk tent and horsemen rode around in circles around it. Many of his followers gashed their faces so that they would weep blood at his death. Okay. <sighs> that night, his body was encased in three coffins, one gold, one silver, and one iron, and buried in a tomb filled with the weapons of his defeated enemies, along with jewels and other treasures. As legend has it, a river was diverted so that Attila could be buried in its bed, and the waters were then released to flow over the grave. That's cool. But then his burial party was murdered so that the grave would never be found. Yikes. Okay. The location of the burial site, believed to be somewhere in Hungary, remains unknown today. So there you go, loves. I just ruined wedding nights and funerals for you. You're nice. welcome. That was beautiful. Fan. I love how extra people were back in history when they died. <laughs> right? That's I wonderful. mean, I know I talked last week about Napoleon having his seven sarcophagi. This guy had three. Yes. And was like buried under a river and then was like, kill everyone who knows where I'm at. I wonder if they knew it was going to happen. They're like, oh, fuck. I already cut my face open for you and now you're going to murder me. Right? Yeah. Terrible. Man. Oh. That's, yeah, that's a lot. That's real extra. Sometimes I'm like, I was born in the wrong era. And then I'm like, nah, no, I'm good. No, no I'm good. <laughs> I wouldn't have survived very long. No, me neither. Real talk. I talk too much. I'm too opinionated. Yep. I'd be like, don't murder me. Run away. Right. Uh, no, I like voting too much to be able to, be able <laughs> to go back in time. Speaking of which... The uh, anniversary of women's rights to votes was last week. Yes. What? What? Thank you, suffragettes. Suffragist. Suff- yes. Words. Yeah. Can you believe it's only been 100 years? Like, mm. for real. Like, it feels like we should have had, you know, not been property more than 100 years. Yes. And, and like, we should also note that that's only for white women to be able to vote. Oh, absolutely. That's my biggest gripe. And I can't wait till we do, like, suffrage. Yes. Is that... White women, like, African-American women were just invaluable for getting the African-American vote. And then whenever it came time, women are like, all right, well, we need you to sit down because you're going to ruin it for us. Like, it was the worst. They weren't allowed to do anything. 
yeah, it's it's one of my biggest gripes too. But yes, that will definitely yeah. be its own episode. Yeah, we have a lot of opinions. I'm yes. angry. Yes, <laughs> I did go to a museum that had a women's suffrage like exhibit. And it was the first time that I saw one that showed, like, how violent it was. The women were being arrested and beaten, and they all went on a hunger strike so that they would tie them down and put tubes down their throats so they wouldn't die because they didn't want them to be martyrs. And it was the first time I saw, like, the imagery of a woman being chained down and, like, force-fed egg yolks. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. Anyway. Are we ready for some not horrific stuff? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, good. So I rolled random this week and my word from Kina was, of course, pirate. <laughs> to be fair, so. I have a uh, captain's quarter sign in my office where I record. So it's like in my face and I was like trying to think of a word really quick. And I, I just saw it and I was like, yes. we haven't done pirates. So, yeah, so I wanted to write, I, did, I wanted to talk about the woman in Ireland who recently came out in the news that she had married a 300-year-old ghost of a pirate, I and they've since divorced, and she had to have an exorcism of her vagina, but... Wait, it was her vagina? Yes. I did not know that. I think she had her vagina <laughs> exercised, but no, I didn't actually talk about her, but I just had to bring that up, because that is exactly, like, as soon as you said, your word is pirate, I was like, oh shit, this woman. I thought that's where we were going to go. Sadly, no. But yes, that's that was exactly where my mind went. But then I found this other topic, and I may, it makes me happy, and I'm really excited. So we are going to talk about metallotage or metalots, which are in all caps, gay pirates. Oh yes! Oh my god! Like black sails. Have you seen that? Gay yeah. pirates. What? Yeah. I was. Yeah. I was picturing like Tobias Funke on Arrested Development on the gay pirate boat <laughs> in Lindsay's blouse. But anyway. Yeah, we got to like season three when it showed like the gay pirates and he's like, wait, this is taking a turn. What's happening? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what I pictured when I read gay pirates, but it's not that. So in the 1600s, pirates began to willingly enter into civil relationships that were same sex relationships known as metallotage, or metallotage, yes. Metallotage means seamanship, based <laughs> on the French word matelot, which means sailor or seaman, not to be, and it's S-E-A-M-E-N, not okay. to be confused with S-E-M-E-N. And then in parentheses, I wrote hardy guffaw, because I was like fairy. Yes. Oh, man, they knew what they were doing with that word. <laughs> they, they knew it. So, metallotage is what people in these relationships called each other. So, like, two men would go and in, enter into this union and call each other their metallotots. Sailors on French and British naval ships also did this, but it was very, like, hush, hush, don't ask, don't tell. But pirates were very open with these same-sex relationships. So, these relationships meant they shared not just their love for each other, but property, possessions, and outside sexual partners. Oh, wow. Yes. So, to steal Kina's term, a quick historical detour. Yeah. <laughs> Same-sex relationships did not begin here. Any male-dominated situation like ancient Greek and Roman military training camps, the medieval Japanese samurai, etc., etc., also had instances of pretty open male relationships. Mm -hmm. And this is often referred to as homosocial bonds or situational homosexuality. 
And it's also seen now, like, in all men's prisons. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's that's an example of situa- situational homosexuality. So, which, yeah, it just, it blows my mind that it's always been really prevalent, but it was still illegal. Yeah. So, yeah, so detour over. It was a little quick I thing, mean, I'm but- pretty sure, like, Greece and Sparta and such, like, you were expected to have homosexual relationships. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Like- it was very, very prominent, and especially in this time, it was even prominent in the, like, aristocratic mm-hmm. sect in England, I guess, and it, I mean, it was still punished, so it was, it was punishable by death under, like, so- sodomy and buggery mm-hmm. and all of that, but the aristocrats, they were just like, oh, we don't see you doing these things, but... Pirates were like, eh, we already don't follow rules, so <laughs> we're just going to do this and, you know, fuck it. Hell yeah. Yeah, like, they're going to, like, break every other rule and be like, oh, this is the one we can't can't chance yeah, this one. This is no. the one we can't let out, guys. Like, we're going to plunder villages or, I don't know, other boats, but we can't let people know that we kissed a man. I don't know. So, yeah, so pir- pirates were all in. So men in a same-sex relationship, oh, I already said that, called each other mad the English decided, oh my God, this makes me laugh. The English decided to use this word in like their Navy vernacular and all of that, but they used it to mean the word buddy. <laughs> Later, it was shortened to mate, which is still used to mean buddy today. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. So like, how homophobic do you have to be to change the entire meaning of a word? Oh, my God. Also, I'm looking at you, Michael Buble, with your goddamn Santa Buddy song instead of Santa (laughs) Buddy. That is exactly what I thought of when I read that they changed the meaning of the word to friend. Oh, they're just such good friends. But yeah, Yeah, whatever. I have feelings about that, too. But anyway. I have no uh, feelings about Michael Buble because I know nothing about him. (laughs) I like his songs, but I got very angry because Santa Baby is one of my favorite Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, he's changed to Santa Buddy because no homo, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. That angers me. Yeah. So entering into metallotage was serious business. It typically involved a ceremony. They exchanged rings and they had a celebration. So it was literally like a wedding and you got a ring and you had a reception and all that. So it was very serious. Oh, I bet the reception was just like bomb. Like, can you imagine a pirate party? Shit. Yes, so much pirating and fun. A lot of drinking. I'm jealous. But anyway, in 1645, there were so many instances of metallotage in Tortuga, an island that pirates frequented, and you might have heard mentioned on Pirates of the Caribbean, that... Tortuga! (laughs) Yes! That the French governor actually sent hundreds of female prostitutes there to cause the pirates (laughs) go back to back, or go back to, like, quote-unquote normal. Oh my god! Right? Like, how, how, like, Russell do your jimmies have to be to have, like, hundreds of prostitutes sent to this island because you don't like dudes kissing each other? Whatever. Wow. So, in true pirate, I don't give a fuck, honey badger don't care, (laughs) like, fortitude, whatever, the pirates started having relationships with their matalots and the women. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. And often they would share the women that they were uh, hooking up with with their matalots. 
So they were like not monogamous. This was not a monogamy thing. Yeah. These unions of the Matalots meant that if you died, your Matalot inherited your property. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, like, if you had money from, or booty from the, the ships that you ravaged and stuff like that, and you died, it went to your Matalot. So, That's I mean, this like is really so nice. big deal. Because even at that time, if you died, your wife still didn't get your property. Yes, and I forgot to write this down, but there was one uh, pirate captain that they plundered a ship or a village, I can't remember, and a lot of the men that went on this mission died, and he made sure that their cut of the bounty went to their Matalots. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like really progressive for the 1600s. Yeah, it really is. So even though, here's the problem with Matalots, so even though, because it sounds pretty awesome so far, these were not monogamous relationships, so there tended to be a lot of jealousy. Mm. Pirate Louis Le Goliff married a woman, so his matalot, Pelverin, got pissed and murdered Le Goliff's wife and ah! her lover, and then he took off. Ah! Like, he no! just blew this pop stand, killed them all. But instead of being like, what the fuck, you killed my wife? Legolief spent the rest of his life pining after Pulverin and wishing he would come back. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No, I mean, he literally <laughs> killed your family. So, but yeah, like, it's, it's really like they took, they took it like deadly serious, basically, Ew. to have these uh, relationships, which is really cool. And I was really fascinated and I want to like read so much more about it. And I really want there to be like a genre of book that's like gay pirate books. Yeah, I'm really, I mean, I know that Black Sails had that storyline, but I didn't know that it was such a prevalent thing in yes. pirate culture. So Yes, and like it was um, with the jealousy thing, some sea captains started forbidding any young boys or women to come on their boats at all because of the jealousy thing and people would fight and kill each other over these matalots. And it's just insane. And I just blanked out on what else I was going to say. But yes, so that's all about metalotage, which I looked at the pronunciation of and kept like repeating it out loud over and over an hour because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to say this wrong. Man, that was so cool. Right. Yeah. So like away there. Philippa Gregory, if you're out there listening, you should definitely do a historical fiction of metallotage and don't fuck it up like yeah. Bling no. Girl. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. <sighs> so, yes. Man, I love all things pirate. This makes me happy. Big mood. <sighs> all right. So, I had weird. So, it's a little different for me. I am just going to kind of go through a bunch of different weird traditions. that Yay. I said. Well, disclaimer, I'm not, a lot of these are cultural, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any culture. It's just, to us, they might seem a little odd, because, you know, we don't live there. So, yes, to my southern, naive, uncultured self, they seemed weird. Okay. Yes. <laughs> In France, they have Le Pot de Chambre, and it's just what it sounds like, the chamber pot. Okay. So on day of the wedding, the guests fill a toilet bowl, bowl with all the leftovers, which were once deemed delicious, <laughs> and then mix them all up with alcohol and everything else. And then the couple is then forced to finish the bowl in order to build up their strength for the taxing wedding night that Whoa. is ahead of them. Nope. Okay. Couple of things. Not it. 
I, ew, for one, two, I don't think I would be up for any kind of wedding night after eating that. Wouldn't you like be like, Ugh! no, yeah, can't, no. Okay, little, look, okay, little little background into Kina and my history. We used to be really into the local rugby team here. <laughs> yeah. We'd go to some of their parties, and they would straight up, like, drink beer out of a shoe, and that grossed me out. Yeah, and that's a big thing in a lot of cultures, like, drinking yeah. out of the shoe. They were like, yeah, so I don't think I could eat food slash beer slash whatever out of a chamber pot. I hope it was clean. I mean, it looked like some of the pictures I saw, it looked like a little tiny little toilet that I'm sure is just like you buy it for that. But I feel like once you start mixing, I don't even like the thought of mixing all that food together anyway. Like in any, if you put it in a bowl, it sounds, I don't know. Yeah, it, no, I'm not eating that concoction. I hate beer anyway, though, so. Eh. <sighs> yeah, it just, I'm sure it might not be as gross as I'm imagining. So if you're from France, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please write us and let us know how that goes. It's interesting. It seems like a good idea. I just, um, I don't know. Anyway, next, we're going to go to Scotland. In the land of the Vikings, friends and family of the bride show their love for the future bride by tying her up and covering her in every gross thing they can find. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> this includes anything you can imagine. And what you can find in your pantry, like flour, sauces, minced meat, fish, etc. You name it. It's called blackening. Okay. I Look, just... if you smear fish on me, I'm coming up swinging. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. So after bathing in her smelliness, she is then taken for a night out with her friends. Mm. While still smelly? Yeah. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was bad that people wear the little sashes here. And uh, go out to the bars. and. Oh, man. Good times. Okay. The belief behind this is that if she can handle this, she can handle anything that marriage throws at her and any of the humiliation that she might face while wed. What the hell? <laughs> Are you expect to be very humiliated once you're married in Scotland? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, how humiliating are the husbands in Scotland? <sighs> do they, like, do they fart in the grocery store? What's happening? I mean, that's just my husband, but... That's mine, too. <laughs> I mean, I know they like their booze, and they're loud and little little rowdy, but... I mean, are, are you going to find your husband, like, sleeping naked in the middle of the street? Is that humiliating? I don't understand what's happening. That also doesn't seem that bad to me. I don't know. No. But yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about being tied up and this chunked at me. Don't love that. So, yeah, if you're in Scotland, will you write to us and tell us why? <laughs> Is this a thing? Is this still happening? I don't know. They had YouTube videos of it, so I'm assuming this still happens because it looked really current. But Ugh. So in India, <laughs> uh, India has a couple of different wedding traditions that aren't seen around the rest of the world. One of them is that if a woman is born as a manlik, manlik, when Mars and Saturn are both under the seventh house in astrology, they are considered cursed. And it's believed that these women will cause their husbands to pass away at a young age. So they believe that if a woman marries a tree prior to her marriage to her husband, this resolves the issue. So it's a tradition where women marry trees. Okay. Do they consummate the marriage? I don't think so. I think it's okay, just like, ah, I'm married to a tree. Now I won't kill my husband. Okay. 
I guess that makes sense. Like you transfer the bad luck to the tree, but then the then does the tree die? I'm assuming yes. I'm assuming we've that's learned, the whole point. Yeah, we've that. learned that when trees die, cannibalism happens. Yeah. Oh, all things lead to cannibalism. Yes. Be careful. Yes. But I mean, it's only if you're born in this one little house of astrology, okay. so it can't be that many women. But I guess you better be safe than sorry. It's kind of like what in practical ma- magic, if you hear the little. Not yes. The, the, what the is beetle. it? The beetles, and they'll die. I guess it's yes. kind of like that. So you, yes. you do whatever you need to to make sure that doesn't happen. All right. So China. <laughs> China is known for a couple of weird ones, and one of them is the shooting of the bride. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So <laughs> of course they're arrows, but they don't actually have the arrows. They're just sticks. It's a harmless tradition where the groom shoots three arrows at his bride. After targeting her, he picks up the arrow and breaks them in half. This is said to symbolize their love for each other and that it's forever. I'm assuming this is the only time shooting your wife is acceptable in China. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, like, even if it doesn't have a point on it, it still hurts. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Still an arrow. Jesus. (laughs) That's horrifying. Okay. Um, so our Maritas, I think I'm saying that right. In contrast to many countries where brides go on extremely strict diets to lose extra weight on their wedding day, here it's the exact opposite. Brides to be are sent to fat camps where they're forced to eat more and gain fat. The yep. chubbier the soon-to-be wife is, the better, and it's a sign of wealth. And men consider bigger women to be sexier. So, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah, <laughs> okay with that. It's like I uh, saw a thing on Facebook the other day. It's like 1891. It was like, get your woman to gain more weight. Like, I'm a 10 in like 1891. For real. Oh, yeah. You shared that. And then my (laughs) husband was like, babe, you're already a 10. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll keep you. (laughs) My husband just laughed at me. (laughs) He's just like, whatever. (laughs) All right. So Greece. So... On the groom's wedding day, it's normal for him to get a nice clean shave from his barber in most cultures. But in Greece, this isn't done by a professional barber. On his special day, his best man and the rest of his male wedding party get together and shave the husband-to-be. Oh, okay. So as a bride, you just need to hope that his wedding party aren't going to, like, fuck up his face. Yeah, yeah. they're not dicks. <laughs> Like like toilet paper all over his face. Yes. (laughs) All right. Fiji. In Fiji, the man is obliged to present his future father-in-law with a whale's tooth. Hmm. Most families with boys keep this sacred gift for when the time comes for their son to propose to their future brides. So nothing says I love you like a sperm whale tooth. Are those like in abundance there? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I guess they would have it, to be. It kind of seemed like they do that, but, like, the family keeps them so that uh, their sons oh. can, like, propose with them. Okay. I'm assuming that's, you know, more of it. So, yeah. Kenya. In the Maasai culture in Kenya, weddings are not exactly seen as a celebration of love. You're not allowed to choose who you spend the rest of your life with. And one week prior to the wedding, a meeting is arranged between the families to discuss and agree on what the groom's family will exchange for his soon-to-be wife. So, the dowry. On the wedding day, the women will have their heads shaved and rubbed with lamb fat and oil. And the father proceeds to bless the couple by spitting on the daughter's head and breast 
for good luck and fortune. Okay. I will pass. Look, I'm fine with head shaving, obviously, because I shaved my head, but uh, not okay with the rest of it. (laughs) Russia. So, before the wedding, the bribes... The bribes... The bride's wedding party will meet the groom at the door when he comes to pick up the bride and give him a list of tasks that he has to complete. This could be a number of things, and he needs to pass each one to be able to proceed. He (laughs) may have to pay a ransom, and often his first offer will buy him an alternate bride, usually a male friend dressed up in a wedding dress. Once he offers enough, he gets his bride back. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's that. A lot of pictures of the dude's wedding dress when I look this one up. Okay, wow. yeah. At least they're not, like, covering them in fish or lamb fat. Okay. <laughs> in Romania, a couple of days before they exchange vows, a bride is taken by friends or family or hired actors, like, okay. kidnapped. Yeah. The abductors then demand a ransom and the groom has to pay. This is usually something silly or romantic, like a bottle of something or a funny performance, such as a dance and song performed in front of the entire party. A lot of kidnapping in these. Yeah, there's there's an like an exorbitant amount of kidnapping. <laughs> Look, if I get kidnapped, it yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. I'm probably going to go to jail. Yeah. Oh, right before Zygmunt to Afghanistan when we eloped, he had to get kidnapped for like a training exercise. So oh I guess in God. a way, this happened. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, your husband got kidnapped. Yeah, he got kidnapped in Texas. And then, uh, yeah, he said it was things like, because his name's Ezekiel, and they're like, what? what's your name mean? Blah, blah, blah. And he had to learn how to, like, get out of handcuffs and what to do if he gets kidnapped. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, look, I'm planning for the zombie apocalypse. I need him to teach me how to do that. <laughs> He'll, he, he does this thing sometimes. He'll just, like, bite me, and he's like, zombie apocalypse training! Like, my arm <laughs> or something. <laughs> Uh, every time I don't see it coming because it's just random. <laughs> just That's like, wonderful. And then he's like, you're dead. I'm yeah, like, I've already learned how okay. to get out of zip ties and how to open a tuna can on a cinder block. I also need this training. I don't know how to do any of that. I'll teach you. <laughs> teach me your ways. I have insomnia. I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> I need to watch some more Doomsday Prepper, apparently. Hell yes. <laughs> All right, South Korea. On the day of the wedding, the guests tie the groom's feet together and take turns beating his feet with sticks or dried fish before his first night of marriage. Nope. Not it's supposed it. to be fun, but not cruel, but that does not sound fun. No, that's a punishment on Handmaid's Tale. They whip the bottom of their feet, and it's like the most horrifying punishment I see. I can't. No, I can't. Yeah. So the idea is that it's to make sure the soon-to-be husband doesn't disappoint on his wedding night. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't so know how that... perform well or we'll whip your feet? Yeah, I guess. I don't know how A, to, a, a goes to B. I don't, I don't see how this I don't beating either. your feet makes you better at your wedding night. I, um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess if you're like, my feet hurt, you're not that worried about anything anymore. You're just like, fuck it. <laughs> True. Very good point. Or like, you Plus can't anxiety. escape. You have to lay on the bed. So you're already here. Do it. All right. Back to China. So, as we all know, brides can be somewhat dramatic. But in China, a month before the wedding, it's tradition for the bride to purposely cry for an hour every day. Three weeks before the wedding, the mother of the bride joins this daily cry. Two weeks before, the grandmother joins. 
And on the final week, the sisters join. This is meant to signify extreme happiness. Okay. Mm. I, I don't think I could make myself fake cry. Or if I could, I don't think I could do it that often. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's very few things that made me cry on the spot. One being John Wick. I just watched the first one where the dog dies. And I, I was immediately to watch in tears. The dog dies, yeah. Oh, it's such a good movie. But Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Anything with an animal, I'm just out of control. Okay, United States. We got Yay! one. In some southern states. Hello. Other hello, southern It is tradition to bury a bottle of bourbon upside down close to the place they choose to wed one month before their wedding day. Okay. The reason is this is supposed to ward off rain on their wedding day. Huh. Although, in some cultures, rain on your wedding day is actually, like, good luck, and it symbolizes fertility and cleansing, so. Yes, luckily it did not rain on my wedding day. Yeah, so anyway, rain or shine, the couple digs up the bottle at the ceremony, and then they drink it with their family and friends, so. That's cool. I'm, I'm on board with that one. I mean, of course, Southern, we're going to be on board with it. Like, yes, dig up some booze and let's yes. pour one out for Hell our yes. Yeah. I think my venue would have frowned upon me digging a hole in their yard, but otherwise it's fine. <laughs> Probably it was fancy. <laughs> All right, Canada. Let's go to Canada. In Quebec, the French Canadians have a fun and quirky wedding tradition. On the wedding day, the bride and the groom's older unmarried siblings perform a funny dance while wearing silly, colorful high socks. That is the most Canadian thing ever. Isn't it? It's kind of adorable. Like, yeah. that's their thing. Like, their crazy thing is wearing silly socks. Yes. <laughs> but as wild as that goes. And then guests throw money at the dancers while they perform, and the money is donated to the happy couple. So, kind of went a little strippery, but then it turns out yeah. pretty good. It was like stripper, but wholesome. Very wholesome. I mean, it's Canada. It's always very wholesome. All right, Sweden. This one, I was like, mm, I don't know. Okay, so the Swedish aren't known for being very lovey-dovey, but they have a wedding tradition that gets everybody really close and personal with one oh, another. God. It's tradition that on the wedding day, every time the bride gets up and leaves the room, all the single women line up and kiss the groom, and vice versa when the groom leaves the room. Okay, listen, I am not a jealous person. If I go to pee and every single person in the room kisses my man, I'm going to be a little upset. Okay, imagine, like, one of them has, like, this secret undying love for them and they've always yeah. wanted to kiss them and then you get up to go pee and they're just, like, making out. No, don't, no, 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 no. Don't like love it. it. Don't love it. <sighs> no, do not like this one. I mean, like, I know he's coming home with me, but it's still, like, I don't want to have to hit a thirsty hoe at my wedding. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very jealous because I'm very confident in my relationship, but I don't want people kissing them. That's gross. No. Same. Yeah. Fine. Go. Yeah. Get off. Ugh. Yeah, I got okay. papers. <laughs> I got my shiny ring. <laughs> uh, which is funny. So when we got married, I didn't have a wedding ring because it was so sudden. And then I got it exactly like 90 days after we got married. And he's like, it's our 90 day. I'm not going to return you. So I was like... <laughs> That is such a Zeke thing to say. <laughs> it is. Oh, okay. French Polynesia. This one is really funny. I don't. Huh. So they have a wedding tradition that's called the human rug. At the end of the wedding ceremony, all the bride's relatives lie face down on the ground in a line while the bride and groom walk over them. Okay. That's very like monster truck arena. Yes. One, are they wearing shoes? Because weddings, people wear heels. 
That's yeah. so painful. I don't enjoy that. Like, two, why is it just the bride's family? Why doesn't the groom's family have to lay down, too? I don't understand. If you're yep. from French Polynesia, send us an email and let us know. Yes. <laughs> I have questions. Yes, we have so many questions. Oh, man. All right. So one of the most nope-tastic ones I found. So a tribe in the northern Borneo forbids newlyweds from using the bathroom for three days and nights following their ceremony. And, yes, that means everything. If the couple engages in going to the bathroom, terrible luck is thought to be brought on them and their marriage will be doomed. They're so strict that they actually have people take turns watching over them to ensure that they don't go to the bathroom. And then they're given minimal food and water so they can survive. Yikes. Yeah. I don't I don't like that one. I don't love that one. Mm-mm. That seems painful. Don't enjoy yeah. I have a bladder the size of a pee. I usually have to pee like twice when we're recording this and it's only an hour. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> All right, so let's liken it, liven it up a little bit with some traditions. So we all know that customarily a bride stands on the left of the altar, but why? The tradition actually stems from the old days of marriage by capture, meaning the groom needed to leave his right hand, a.k.a. his fighting hand, free so he could hold the sword and fight off everybody else trying to take and whisk his wife off last minute. Yikes, I always wondered where that came from. <laughs> oh, man. So, man, every wedding tradition is so barbaric if you really, like, dip into it. Yes. Carrying the bride over the threshold. This tradition has few origins. In medieval Europe, it was scandalous for a woman to show enthusiasm about losing her virginity. So, with the groom carrying her over the threshold, she avoided looking too eager about consummating the marriage. Yeah, because women can never, ever be excited about sex, ever. I know, right? Just how dare us. Right. Western Europeans, on the other hand, believe that the bride who tripped over the threshold of her new home would bring bad luck to her home and marriage. Therefore, if a groom carried her over the threshold, it was a good way to avoid such a mishap. What if he trips? (laughs) They're both fucked. (laughs) Yes. In ancient cultures, the threshold of the home was considered to be a hotbed of lurking, unattached evil spirits. And since a new bride was particularly vulnerable to a spirit intrusion, especially through the soles of her feet, the groom ensured that that his wife wouldn't bring any of the bad juju into the house by carrying her inside. Okay. It. Yeah. All right. I didn't do this either. I don't think no. I did any of these. I except mean, for the already, left. Yeah, I did stand at the left. but I yeah. did the left, and I I mean, you and I both already lived with our men before we got married, so there was, <laughs> like, really no point in them carrying us. Plus, I, I, was, I was real big after my wedding, so I did not want my man carrying me. That's true. That's true. We lived in sin for quite a while. We did. We are sinners. <laughs> All right, so this one I thought was interesting. You're supposed to avoid nuns and monks during your wedding day. Okay. Because they symbolize poverty and a chaste lifestyle. So it's thought that if the bride-to-be sees one of them on the wedding day, she will be cursed to be barren and suffer from financial woes. That is oddly specific, but okay. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, 
you think I thought you know like a nun would be like Christiany like oh, well I mean God, so many people get married at at like churches so why wouldn't you see nuns at some what are you stuff? supposed to do like yeah go away nuns what yeah go away nuns shit? don't look at me go away <laughs> don't look at me my eyes my eyes all right. So in southern Sudan, people of the Nyor tribe believe that marriage is not complete until the woman has had two children. If she fails to do so, the groom is able to seek a divorce. Yikes. Because ba- women are just baby makers. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, husbands. <laughs> uh, starting to really hate marriage or weddings. I have, I have two dogs. They're both male. That counts. They're our yeah. children. Yes. <laughs> In Ireland, when the bride and groom are dancing, the bride's feet have to stay on the floor. The Irish believe that if they don't, evil fairies will come and sweep her away. The logic, evil fairies like beautiful things. The bride is beautiful, so the fairies can only get to her if she's not touching the ground. Perfect sense. I wish that the recording would show my face. (laughs) Like, look, I love, I was obsessed with fairies growing up, and um, I even have, like, fairy statues in my kitchen. That's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little specific, too. Like yeah, it is. Oh, man. All right. This next one's a little sadder. So while most people are pretty excited about getting married, Congolese brides and grooms must keep their happiness in check. During the entire wedding day, from ceremony to reception, the two are not allowed to smile. If they do, it would mean that they're not serious about marriage. Okay. That's like on Bend It Like Beckham when the sister gets married and they're like, you're not supposed to smile. Sorry, that just made me think of that. I don't think I ever saw that movie. <gasps> it's so good. You have to watch it. Uh, I'll put it on my list. Yes. All right. So in their first bit of housekeeping together, the German brides and grooms clean up piles of porcelain dishes that their guests have thrown on the ground to ward off any evil spirits. The lesson of this is that working together, the couples can face any challenge thrown their way. Okay. I don't know about that. Like, I don't want to clean up people's shit. Yeah, no. No. Like, unless, like, the party favors were, like, a broom and dustpan and everyone pitched in to clean up. No, it just has to be the couple. That's a no. No. Nope. (laughs) Negative. Spent too much on this dress. I'm not sweeping. (laughs) I know. Can you imagine how hot and, like, exhausting that would be? Yeah. Most of those dresses are very heavy. I don't. Yeah, they're horrific. Yours was very heavy. Oh my god, it was so heavy. <laughs> uh, so during a Jamaican wedding, villagers line up in the street to take a look at the bride. It's customary for them to call out negative comments if her appearance isn't up to snuff. If the majority is critical, she has to go home and make a seven second attempt at her ensemble. Can you imagine? You're fucking gay. Oh my god. Just no. Not leaving the house. Fuck off. (laughs) If I put all that effort into it and anyone said anything other than you look beautiful, nah, you can leave. Yeah. No. Don't don't like that one. One of my aunts made the mistake of just telling me I just looked pretty at my wedding, and one of my mom's friends was like, "No, she looks beautiful." (laughs) So like, if someone was like, "Oh, you need to go home and change," like, I think there would have been a riot cut a bitch <laughs> yeah i will cut you i got folds in this dress there's probably knives uh this one's a fun one 
So, once upon a time, the bridal bouquet was not an aesthetic accent, but it was actually a necessary accessory. In the Middle Ages, brides would carry herbs with pungent scents like dill and garlic to ward off evil spirits and to mask the unpleasant scent of body odor, because they didn't really bathe and deodorant was not a thing. That makes sense. Apparently, dill also has the added advantage of being an aphrodisiac. So the bride would conveniently have it on hand for herself and her new hubby to consume post-ceremony. Yikes. I hate y'all. Eat, eat my deodorant. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get <gets> frisky. <laughs> <laughs> eat this and maybe you won't smell me. <laughs> and the last one. Back in the Dark Ages, the garter was considered a hot item. It's said that family and friends would wait outside the nuptial bedchamber until they were shown evidence, like sheets, stockings, or a garter, that the marriage had been consummated. Okay. Yeah. No thanks. No, I'm good. I don't. I don't need a. I don't need an audience. No. <laughs> and then this isn't anything to do with. So I remember this when I was younger. There is a Gaelic, Irish tradition of what days a week you should get married. So sorry, Ashley. <laughs> Here it is. Marry on Monday for wealth, Tuesday for health, Wednesday the best day of all, Thursday for crosses, Friday for losses, and Saturday's no day at all. Yep. <laughs> I was actually talking about this with Claire yesterday, how Saturdays are supposed to be like the unluckiest day yes. to get married, and she and I both got married on Saturdays. Yeah, according to the Irish, you just don't do it. Saturday and Sunday is off limits. In my defense, I wanted to get married on Friday the 13th, and that was vetoed. <laughs> Uh, We got married on a Monday, so wealth, y'all. There you go. Blinging it up. Mm -hmm. We got married on Monday at like 8 a.m. at the courthouse as soon as they opened. Yes. (laughs) And then he went to work. It was so romantic. (laughs) So romantic. (laughs) There we go. Some of the weirdest traditions. uh, I've known about a few of them, but I was kind of surprised. One that's always fascinated me is the origins of wedding bells where uh, people would hang the tiny bells on the bottom side of the couple's mattress and then they would (laughs) listen to see if the bells rang to make sure that they consummated the marriage. Oh, yeah. Just real gross. There's a lot of bells. There was one country where there's like a bell filled with like flour and food and stuff and then the, I think, mother-in-law would break it over the door so it would explode. Okay. And then they like, ward off evil spirits and stuff in some cultures, the bells. Huh. Okay. Today they have the little bell that like makes you kiss at weddings. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. My uh, sister-in-law had one of those. Huh. The little card with the little bell. And every time anybody would ring it, they'd have to kiss. By That's... like the thousandth time, they're just like, fuck off, people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have been like, if you me the fucking bell again. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man, that was, like, the best part of my wedding was just, like, sitting down and eating and not talking to anybody. Oh, yeah, that's the downside. Most people I know that get married don't even get to eat the food. They're just like, God damn it, stop talking to me. Oh, yeah, no, we, like, we were we were 100%. Like, we will be eating food. <laughs> uh, we tried to do the top thing of the wedding cake. I made a wedding cake myself, but uh, we took it with us on our honeymoon to Florida <laughs> And it was in the cooler, and then it ended up just getting, like, flooded with the cooler water. So it Oh, be... no. But apparently that originates from Queen Victoria. Really? Yeah. Oh, you want to talk about wedding cake? Let me, this will, <laughs> I have a grudge. I've been almost, I've been married, like, over a year and a half now, and I'm still upset. 
So I had this delicious white wedding cake with raspberry filling. It was so pretty and so wonderful. And after the wedding was over, it was three tiers. And we still had the bottom tier, the biggest fucking piece of the cake left. And I was like so pumped. I was like, yes, we're taking that home. We're going to eat it. So my mom goes upstairs to get containers to put it in. Well, my dad didn't realize she was going to get containers, so he threw that motherfucker in the trash. Oh, my God. He threw away my entire (laughs) fucking wedding cake. We had one little bitty restaurant container of wedding cake left. He threw my cake away. I almost cried. Oh, my God. Yes. And also, it, oh, my gosh, it was so good. I don't remember if I ate any of the gluten-free cupcakes or not. She's so nice. Like, that was when I thought I couldn't have gluten because I thought I had celiac. And uh, they gave me gluten-free cupcakes and about cried because, like, you remembered me. (laughs) Yes, yes. And um, we also, my mom's boss at the time who came, she has celiac as well. So, yeah. Most of the time when I go to weddings, I just have to sit there and pretend like I'm not hungry because there's nothing I can eat. (laughs) Yeah. And I even made sure because we made our own food because Mm -hmm. we're, like, just real special like that. And the only thing that wasn't gluten-free was the rolls that we got. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, most weddings I go to, I'm just like, I can't eat anything. Yeah, I was like going through my list and was like, okay, this person can't eat gluten. This one can't have pork. This one can't have this. So like, yeah, I also had a mashed potato bar because I'm like real fancy. Yeah, you and your wedding. And then uh, Carrie, my best friend from college, the one that brought me the flowers and the cake on my birth or my my birthday on my wedding. Um, her baby shower, she made sure I had gluten free stuff from this little bakery. I'm like, that's how you know you're real friends when they make sure you can eat shit when you can't eat it. Right. And then we forgot to like fix a plate of food to take to the cabin we were staying in that night. So, but somehow the groom's cake got left in the cabin. So all we had to eat was the groom's cake that night. I'm pretty sure we made chicken wings. <laughs> on our wedding night like he grilled out chicken wings <laughs> yeah we sat in the hot tub and ate lemon cake that sounds amazing it was fun <laughs> but yes oh, so i rolled funny i don't have a, just a ton but i was going to say kina did you have anything funny that happened at your uh elopement yes okay so we went inside because i got there at eight so we went inside to get our marriage license and then we had the lady that was going to do our wedding just meet us outside. So right outside the door of the courthouse, we're like, we're going to get married right here in the corner. And one of my really good friends, she is a photographer. So she's like, oh, it's beautiful. The sun's rising in this corner. It's just going to be a perfect picture. So we're just like in this corner. And like right when we're like in the middle of the house, like a bus pulls up and it's all the prison people coming into the courthouse to do their like. <laughs> the judge like going to court so it's like a chain game going into the basement of the courthouse <laughs> right in the <laughs> it was so great <laughs> so funny that like, is most people be like oh my god but we were all cracking up but it was really funny i really should have taken a picture with them <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a good time awesome well I, I think i've mentioned this on one of the other podcasts but right as we uh like got to the altar and we're about to start and everybody got really quiet my father-in-law says in like a very loud stage whisper oh shit i almost fell because he almost fell out of a chair (laughs) i don't remember that oh my god it was so loud and i mean it had literally like the music had just stopped and then you just hear oh shit i almost fell and then i had a non-denominational officiant 
But then my grandpa, who's a Pentecostal preacher, he did the prayer and he turned the prayer into, oh God, he turned the prayer into a sermon on the evils of drinking. <laughs> because my husband and the groomsmen had been drinking beer. Uh, it And it went on and on and on and on. It was, uh, oh my God, it was mortifying. But anyway, you know, so my face got a story. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I was really glad that like our lady, we didn't have like a religious ceremony. It was just, it was very short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the prayer was for my parents sake. They wanted a prayer, but I, it was very non-denominational for me. So I wrote about two things for my funny AF and it's two types of weird ish weddings. <laughs> Yay. So first, if you're in Japan or go to Japan, you can have a Pokemon wedding. <gasps> what? Yep, a Pokemon wedding. So it's a little more contemporary, these stories, than normal history stuff. But Pokemon is such a juggernaut and has been in the nerd community forever, which I will say I was not a Pokemon kid. I was a Digimon kid. And if Digimon had wedding ceremonies, I would be on that ship. I think I'm too old. I think nah. I've surpassed. I don't remember that from my childhood, but I did, you know, being a teen librarian, Pokemon, like, oh my God, especially when that app came out. Yes, uh, Pokemon Go. Oh my God. That's oh yeah, I, I did. I know. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I got into Pokemon Go for a while until it like became a problem. Like I was pulling over on the side <laughs> of the road and like Pokemon going while driving and I had to delete it. So yeah, I got to the point where I was like, tempted to spend money and I was like no yes. we're good we need to stop that yeah and like the library I was working at, at the time was a gym and yeah. there was like a poke stop to get pokemon balls like right upstairs from where my office was so I could just sit there and mine pokeballs yeah we would have people that worked with us like come into the teen center I'm like what are you doing they're like oh there's like a pikachu over here I gotta catch yeah. it I'm like Okay, you've never been in this teen center before, but all right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a real addiction. But anyway, I digress. So this company in Japan, Eskrit, joined forces with the actual Pokemon company. Oh wow! To have officially licensed Pokemon weddings. This is not a kid's birthday party with like the plastic tablecloths and the pikachu like shade glasses and paper cups and all that crap like this is a like five star black tie experience oh wow <laughs> so this star-studded fancy affair here's what you get you get two pikachus dressed as a bride in a veil and a groom in a top hat <laughs> and these are not figurines these are mascots these are people in pikachu suits now, I would be on board if Ryan Reynolds was that Pikachu. Oh, my God. For <laughs> real. Also, if Ryan Reynolds just, like, showed up at my wedding, that would be great. Or just in my uh, life. He is a national treasure. I For just real. love him so much. Also, side note, I tried really hard to get Kevin Smith to officiate our wedding. I tweeted at him a whole lot, and he never replied. We still love him, but God damn it, Kevin Smith. <laughs> but anyway... So then you also get official Pokemon foods, like an egg souffle that has Pikachu's ass on it. <laughs> it's like literally the stripes of his back with his like little zigzag tail. Aww. You also get beautiful desserts, 
with Pokeball macarons and little canals of ice cream and fresh berries and chocolate swirls. And it's like really fancy. And there's little like cocoa powder Pikachus sprinkled on the, oh, it's like, they're adorable. I'll definitely have post pictures. And then you also get a gorgeous three-tiered white Pokemon themed wedding cake that's personalized to the couple. And it has the little bride and groom Pikachus kissing on it with your names. And it's very, like, subdued colors. It's so cute. That's adorable. And the best part is even the wedding certificate is Pokemon-themed. <laughs> I'm going to have to post a picture of all this because it's, like, the cutest thing ever. Like, I always kind of said that my wedding was, like, storybook chic because mm-hmm. there were some, like, library elements in there. But I kind of wanted to go, like, hardcore-themed wedding, but... Wasn't sure I could pull it off, but I think this, like, it's basically done for you and you just show yeah. up. So I love this. So the second wedding type destination thing that I'm going to talk briefly about is one that 100% in eight-ish years, when I've been married for 10 years and want to renew my vows because I'm not waiting for 25 years, I would do this. So Voodoo Donuts has four locations. <laughs> Portland, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, Denver, Colorado, and Austin, Texas. What? Yes, there's one in Austin. We have to go. We have to go. Not for the wedding, but for the donuts. (laughs) Or we could get married. We just want to tell our husbands. (laughs) But yes, you can get legally married at Voodoo Donuts. And their package allows you up to 40 guests. Oh, that's nice. That's a lot. I had like 85 at my wedding. So, I and I could have, <laughs> I could have pared that shit down and been very happy with it and gone to Voodoo Donuts. So Voodoo Donuts, for anyone that doesn't know, they have like kind of hip donuts. I've seen them on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives with Guy oh. Fieri. And I've also seen them on some travel channel shows about donuts. And they have like a maple bacon donut and all kinds of other cool flavors. And they are also really well known for their voodoo doll donuts, which are shaped like dolls or like gingerbread <laughs> men. They've got black icing on them with little red cross eyes. They stick, um, they fill them with red, I think, Bavarian cream. So Ooh. it's like blood when you bite into it. And then they stab a pretzel through its heart. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yes. They're awesome. We have to go. I didn't know there was one here. I thought yes. they were all in Oregon. I thought they were too. And then I was like, Austin, what? I need to let Kena know. Because when I come down, we, oh yeah, by the way, guys, I'm totally going to see Kena in a few weeks. That I was going to make that a uh, surprise, but now it's out in the open. Yeah, but, we're going to a live show of a podcast. Yes, I'm so excited. But yeah, so when I come down, we have to go to Voodoo Donuts. Hell yeah, yeah. we'll already be in Austin. Exactly. So yeah, like it's it's going to happen. But anyway, so what does this this ceremony situation package entail? I need to know. I need to know. I know. So you get the ceremony with an officiant that they supply and all of that. You get five dozen assorted donuts picked by staff. Ooh. You get a custom voodoo doll bride and groom donuts. (laughs) Yes. Which I just need in my life. Like so hard. A donut heart shaped centerpiece. Oh. And two pots of coffee. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, like, I've seen a lot of people who do, like, their, like, Halloween weddings at Voodoo at Voodoo Donut and stuff like that. So you dress up in your costumes and all of that. And, yeah, and apparently you can also renew your vows there. They had some really cool pictures on there of people getting married and stuff. 
And I even wrote, I know what I'm doing in about eight years. Because holy shit, I really want to go uh, get and Yes. Gosh. Yes. Like, this might actually be heaven. <laughs> like, invite all my closest friends, invite my man, eat donuts, get to be real sappy and profess your li- love. I'll just bring the vows I wrote and reread them. I mean, be- I mentioned in episode four that... When I found out that I could have gluten again, there was, like, five things I had to have. And number one was a fucking donut. Yep. Like, oh, my God. Because you can't make those gluten-free and taste good. You just can't. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've tried them all. They all suck. Yeah. And if anyone could have figured out how to make them taste good and also be gluten-free, it's you. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got really good at cooking gluten-free. You I did. think Disney World was the only one that had a donut that was remotely close. But they're all cake donuts. You can't have a yeast donut because... Gluten is what makes yeast taste good. And it's just, yep. man, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about donuts. Same. Donuts <laughs> are why I'm on a diet now, because when I found out I could have gluten, I ate them every day. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love-hate. Like, love-hate relationship. I need to go back to gluten-free, but then kolaches taste so delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. But yeah, so those are my uh, my funny AF parts. They're so cool. There were so many like cool weddings, and there were also some real weird ones. Like I saw a minion themed wedding. <laughs> Guys, like, can we just can we talk for a second about minions? Like, can we just stop stop making those <laughs> a thing? I can't. I love those movies. I do. I don't understand why universal when they're all like dancing around in their little parade. <laughs> I'm I'm good. I don't I don't wanna. Ugh. Yeah, like there was minions, there was Harry Potter, I've seen Game of Thrones ones. There was a woman who had a little mermaid themed wedding. Okay, why would you want to have a Game of Thrones one? All their weddings ended I... in horrible tragedy. Right. Yeah, I don't know why they decided on that one, but whatever i don't know harry potter though i'd be all over that yeah i'd be all over harry potter but like i think it's really cool with the pokemon one that they actually have like the pokemon company involved that is really cool so they don't have to worry about licensing stuff because it's all like taken care of sure they do like hello kitty too in japan like i'm pretty sure yeah i'm like convinced that japan is like this magical place that doesn't actually exist because It's so precious. Well, like one of my friends is living there right now. And one of my other friends that is a listener is moving there like really soon. So she can vouch for us that it's a real place. Yeah. And my aunt and uncle just moved back from there. So Uh, she's going to start a YouTube channel about how awesome Japan is. Oh, cool. I heard they have vending machines for used panties. So report back on that. (laughs) I know they have vending machines for like ramen. Like, you can just mm-hmm. get real good ramen from a vending machine. Oh, man. <laughs> I, no, I want ramen. Nice. But, yeah, so that is the end of our stories? I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That went fast. Okay. It did. We say that, and it's been two hours. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm afraid to look. Yes, it's been over two hours. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, y'all. I'm Leah Lawrence. I'm her husband, Mitch Lawrence. And we host the Southern Spirits Podcast. Each week, we'll sip on a Southern brewed craft beer or wine and toss back a Southern distilled liquor, and I'll let y'all know how I feel about them with a review. And after we are good and tipsy, I'll bust out a couple of strange, spooky tales from the American South. 
We are all about true crimes, mysteries, paranormal activity, and cryptozoology. Basically, if it's Southern and boozy, we'll drink it, and if it's Southern and weird, we'll talk about it. So join us as we drink our way through the folklore of the South. Find the Southern Spirits Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Bye, y'all. Sad Panda, we don't have a Patreon shout-out this week. No, why do you make us so sad? You guys need to go to Patreon and check out our tiers and be like, oh my god, I need that in my life, and then join Patreon at www.patreon.com slash historicalafpod. Yes, and if you want to follow us on any social media, which we love, we get so excited when we get new followers, you can go to historicalafpod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please send us some listener stories, uh, anything from your hometown, legends, myths, your family history, any kind of experience you've had with the paranormal, historical places, and true crime, send that to historicalafpod at gmail.com, and we will read them on the air yes. on our next episode. Yes, that will be awesome. So please send them to us. And also... Uh, Right now, we are doing, on Mondays, Meet Your Makers Monday, where we answer questions. And right now, I'm choosing all the questions. So I need people (laughs) to ask us questions so I can stop guessing them off the top of my head. Yeah! (laughs) We have one more week of reviews. So send us a review. And then let us know that you sent the review. And you can be entered in a contest to win a prize from our merch site, which we have a merch site. So you should go to that, too. Oh, yes, it's shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. Yeah, we just added some merch for the 4th of July. We have some new alien merch. It's really good stuff, guys. And it's really comfortable. We both have shirts. We love it. And it's probably the most comfortable thing I own right now. Yes, it it. is. It is so comfortable. And I want to order so many more things off there. Somebody else that we know just ordered one of our mugs. And it's really cute. Yeah, we're finally like getting orders from people we don't know instead of just buying our own stuff. And we love that. So please do more of that. Yeah. So you guys have a great week. Yes, please do. We will see you next time. Not see you. We will be here. We will bring our dulcet tones (laughs) to your listening ears. Your ear holes. Your ear holes. So yes, have a great week guys. Bye.